This episode is brought to you by Rev1. Rev1's mission is to help entrepreneurs build great companies. As you navigate the waters of business entrepreneurship, you don't have to go it alone. A strategic partnership with Rev1 connects innovators to the talent, customers, space, and funding you need when you need it. Get started with Rev1 Startup Studio by visiting rev1ventures.com to learn more. Again, the website is rev1ventures.com. Support for the 614 Startups Podcast comes from Nationwide. Nationwide's mission is to protect people, businesses, and futures with extraordinary care. To help fulfill that mission, Nationwide is looking to invest its $350 million venture capital investment fund in InsureTechs that will help them create new and exciting products and solutions to meet the needs of their customers. If you're interested in partnering with Nationwide's venture capital team, visit nationwideventures.com to learn more. Again, the website is nationwideventures.com. Nationwide is on your side. 614 Startups Nation, welcome to another episode of the 614 Startups Podcast, Columbus's number one source of startup news and interviews. I'm your host, Elio Harmon. I'm here with my very special guest, Joe Chekinoff of Check Creative. Joe, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. All right, man. So um, somebody on your team reached out to me. So we're building some cool stuff here at Check Creative. And on top of that, we're doing a lot of cool things in the community with Can't Stop Columbus. And I'd seen all the work you guys were doing. I mean, it's a community effort, of course, but you were intimately involved with that. And I always want to shout out the community builders because I, I, I fashion myself a community builder. I know it takes a lot to take up your own time and be involved in the community. So that's one of the reasons I wanted to have you on. But you, t you do a lot of things that I'm very interested in and I need to gain insight on. So I'm going to get some free consulting from you as well. <laughs> so welcome to the show, man. Yeah, happy to be here. Yeah, love to be engaged on some of that free consulting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So we're going to give the people a little bit of that free consulting, sure. yeah, right? So bet. some tips to help small businesses. Hopefully cool. they can walk away with something practical and applicable. You bet. Let's start with your personal background, professional. How did you get into this uh, a business? Sure. I, I graduated from Ohio State um, and went directly into technology in the financial sector. Um, worked in internal audit for a couple of years, really learning the ins and outs of a bunch of bank technologies. Um, and I decided that just was not the gig for me. Uh, the whole time I had been tinkering, learning about building websites and building really great um, content um, repositories for, for websites, right? And we kind of established a small book of work and just organically had a couple referral business partners and grew it to the point where I was able to leave my job with, uh, you know, some of the larger financial firms and, and go out on my own. So a couple years later now, we are at now five employees, including myself. We have a huge book of work with working over, by now we've had over 100 websites that we've built and launched, um, close to a dozen apps that we've launched. Really proud of what we've done. Yeah, all right, so Ohio State graduate. Yeah. You, you leave Ohio State, I'm guessing the parents are super proud, you're gonna go work in internal auditing, right? Yeah. So how many years in, how many months in do you realize like, Yo, I can't do this. Uh, it was pretty quick. I, I think I interned and then realized this wasn't going to be forever. Jumped in and did it anyway to kind of help build up that uh, kitty. And then, and then told my parents pretty early on that, you know, this is not going to be for me. They understood. They kind of saw it coming. Yeah. 
All right, so uh, when you start doing this, you said you, you eventually afforded you the opportunity to quit your job. Yeah. So were you like, how did people find you? I mean, were you, were you doing it for free at first, and then you did a couple that worked really well, so people brought you paying clients. How did this whole thing start? Sure. Check Creative has always been an organic referral business. I had my first customer, was a paying customer actually, just trusted me as from experience working with me personally uh, to build a small apartment complexes website and you know that was a $700 gig and uh, and was really uh, privileged to have that opportunity and from there that referred another client who referred to more and sooner or later we we had to we had enough business that I couldn't keep doing both I just couldn't all right now when you started out right working at, at your job are you like doing this at night on the weekends yeah. I mean, that's my world right yeah. now, right? So I do 614 Startups, but I have a full-time job. So how did you make time? And then what did you decide that, oh, okay, this might help me transition? How did that process look for you? Yeah, so it was really a, an environment switch that allowed me to, to realize that I was able to go out on my own. Um, was working and living really close to that work. And I moved downtown and started engaging with some folks here downtown, uh, met a couple people who were in the freelancing world, uh, loved working with them and talking about what, uh, what they were doing and kind of started doing the numbers myself and said, okay, if I move this here and do that there, I could do this in a couple months or I could do this in a quarter or two. Mm -hmm. So you said we, when you said, you know, we started off, did you start off just as a freelancer, just yeah. you, or did you bring on somebody initially that helped you and, and you started off with, with a two-person co-founding team? So it was just you, Yep. you were building everything, you were doing all the creative, all, all of the branding, sure everything from start to finish. Yeah, you bet. And so it took me a couple, uh, couple big jobs to realize that it's too much for one person to do all the creative on their own. Um, and I'm definitely not the the brains of, of any branding arm, right? My expertise is really in building the ideating and building infrastructure to make somebody's business digital mm -hmm. and know how to make that most profitable for them and give them that best ROI, right? That's where I kind of find my bread and butter. So I met some really, really talented folks in the design space, in the web development space. You know, I'm a, I was born, or I came up doing web development, so I know that best, but I knew that I could learn from others and I could leverage the community to help me with that. Yeah. Now, when I think websites, and this is the pivot to kind of check creative sure. as it as it began and kind of where it is. Yeah. When I think uh, web design, I think fixed job, fixed cost. You got to keep those jobs coming in. Right. So yeah. when you say it got to the point where I could leave my job and go do that full time, what were your th what was your thinking about that? Had you already transformed to more of a model that was on a retainer basis, how does one make that jump without having to, to chase the next meal? Right, so chasing the next meal is a part of the agency world, right? And it's something that you learn about pretty early on. So when you go freelance, you get that big first job and you realize that that job's gonna end, right? And you're already starting to think about, okay, what do I do in September when it's time to bring in that other couple grand that I need to replace that one job with? Um, so, so that never stopped because it is really a, a heavy front end business where you do the work on the front end and some of it trails into the continuation. A lot of the time now, however, especially after coronavirus hit, you realize that you have a digital side of your business, whether you like it or not, 
And if you don't do it, and if you don't maintain it, and you don't uplift it, you're really going to fall behind. Mm -hmm. And so we've made and positioned ourselves in a way that if you are a small business or a large organization that needs help establishing or enhancing a product, we are the ones who can help you get there and then help you stay there. And those costs are no longer translated to a, you know, a really high, heavy first round to spreading it across nice and even to we're going to help with content management. So there's a lot of different levers you can pull to help stabilize that revenue from a agency perspective and then help uplift that return on investment after that initial cost. Yeah. So uh, creative agencies, I mean, there are a lot of them. Yeah. So very, very competitive space. Sure. I checked out your website. What kept popping up at me was development, development first, development first, yeah. development first. So what's the value proposition for Check Creative? It, you said it. It's development first. When you think about how you build a website, the first thing that you have to know how to do is how to structure it. You don't necessarily have to know how to code. There are tons of no-code solutions, right? But the strategies behind those no-code solutions and the execution on any particular digital product is the meat and potatoes of it. If you're not able to really leverage what the web can give you, then it doesn't matter if you're, you know, uh, have the best tools in your pocket, you have to know how to use them. Yeah, so w when I think development, I think uh, I need to be in a business where the back end matters more than the front end. There are a lot of businesses I feel like, and, and this is just me not being in your world. Sure. Like they can get away with the site just looking pretty. Sure. Right. But but why do you feel like you make the case to your clients, like even if you have that perception about your website, that development really doesn't matter. I just really need to make it look beautiful. Make the case now for somebody who is like on the opposite end of the spectrum, like, yeah, just make all that development stuff, whatever. Just make my site look cool. Yeah, I think make my site look cool and make it look pretty is equivalent and synonymous with making developing it well. Mm hmm. Right. So if you take a website and you break it down to its core components, whether it be a Squarespace website, a WordPress website, or some of these newer, uh, like React or some of the really cool modern web app platforms that you can build with, they all have a same solution as a potential outcome. Right. You can still you can get to the same output no matter where you start. Right. It's so it's a preference thing when you're interviewing your customer and your client, how do they want to interact with it? How do they want to operate it, right? It's knowing how to ask those questions and then it's the execution on that practice to get them to that pretty website, mm -hmm. right? So that's why development for, for first is super important because if you focus on development last and you put first your PR campaigns, your uh, blog content, which content is really important, don't want to put that down at all, and you focus on, you know, print flyers or print marketing or anything like that, right? You're really doing yourself a disadvantage because digital can embellish your business. It can help add to your revenue, right? Add a new revenue line item to your balance sheet, right? Mm -hmm. Super important stuff that you don't want to let, let up on. Yeah. So I'm thinking, okay, you, you kind of got me. I'm on the fence. Yeah, development matters. Okay, you're convincing me. It doesn't just need to be pretty. I need to develop it. Sure. So how does a development 
translate into getting the visitor to do what I want them to do at the end of the day. Because the website should serve a purpose for the business owner, right? So let's say I'm using my website for lead gen. Is development core to actually getting the website to be a lead generation machine? So what is the ROI that development provides as long as you understand what my objective is as a website uh, owner? The last thing you just said is the most important part. Even before being a development first agency, I have to know what you want. And I have to know how to achieve your goals with you. Right. So if I'm not doing that with your partnership and with your engagement, then I'm really not going to be able to get it done. So once I'm established in a, trusting in that relationship with you, then I can say, OK, how can we position ourselves with our skill set in a way that gets that conversion event to happen? All right. So let, let's say I sit down with you and my idea is just terrible. <laughs> There's nothing designer development is going to do to help yeah. me. Yeah. You talk about working with your clients. Have you ever gone into a situation where you're like, oh, my God, this is not going to convert? Like, what are you trying to do here? Yeah, I've, tur I've turned away work. Yeah. Mm. And I've turned away work when I shouldn't from a payroll perspective, right? You want to look at your business and say, no matter what I'm doing here, I'm here to give value. And I'm here to build value for the clients and partners I'm working with. Mm -hmm. No matter what, that's the first goal, right? So I have put myself in a position where I'm interviewing the client and we're discussing the potential solution. And all of a sudden we look at it and we say, it might take a team conversation too. We look at it and we say, okay, there's just no way that we can do this job and give them our ROI on a $15,000 expense. We can't do it that way. Right. So I go back and I say, this isn't possible with our team. This is something that's an option for you and try to present some option. Right. Um, but it's really important to make sure that you are positioning that me as a check creative owner is positioning my agency as the value adding organization that we are. If we can't do it, we won't pick up the work. Yeah. So as a creative agency, just like a media company, mm -hmm. like it's easy to get shiny object syndrome. I'm yeah. sure. Yeah. So you could be a great development agency, but you know, you, you got to do design well and in, in design works well with um, copywriting. So, you know, you got to have a good copywriter, but then you also need brand strategy because they need to know how they want to position themselves in the, heart, in the hearts and minds of their customers. So how do you, as a, and we're talking here to the small business owner, the entrepreneur, prioritize those things that you can execute very well that add the most value? Because what I see when I look at creative agencies is like they just feel like they need to do everything. Yeah. So when I look at their website, they do web design, they do brand strategy, they do social media marketing, they do you know, and, and so how do you think through that process of who you're going to be at your core, what you know you can execute on and deliver for your clients each and every time? You, you all have seen Master of None. I mean, it's, it's, it, if you try to present yourself as an agency where you have four employees or 12 employees or even 30 employees and you try to say that we do everything, we do it perfectly well, you're not going to get it, right? Because you position yourselves in a way as a business owner where you are relying too much on one individual to serve you, mm -hmm. right? What I can do as a partner to a business owner is I can say, I'm going to look at this package that we need to put together for you. We're going to uplift this particular portion of the work that we're doing here. And then we're going to, in partnership with that, think about all of these other places that we need to do work and try to find the right places to distribute that work to. So I build my team for a particular project. If it's a, you know, if it's a six figure project, I'll bring four or five people to the table who I think are perfect for that project. They have nothing to do with check creative. They're just great people who do good work. 
All right, hot seat time, man. Yeah. If I had to strip down my entire business and do one thing, I would be an interviewer. Sure. Right? That's our core. That's what I feel like I can do well and I can keep getting better at, yeah. and that's where I can deliver some value. If you had to strip Check Creative down to its core, what would be the one thing that the one thing that the one thing you know you can do, what is it? Yeah, Check Creative. Build, build websites that do ROI. Mm-hmm. Just give you a return on your investment. All right. I like that. That's a solid answer. And we're going to take a break right there because I need to produce some ROI and hear from our sponsors right now. So we'll be right back with my conversation with Joe Checkinoff of Check Creative. All right, guys, let's all be honest with ourselves. How many times have you needed to get an oil change, clean your car, or get a tire rotation, and you've put it off for weeks on end? We're all guilty of it. My friends over at Vaunt set out to make delayed car care a thing of the past and created the most convenient and affordable way to care for your car. All you have to do is, one, book your service and desired pickup location, Two, drop your keys with a certified Vaunt driver who picks up your car for you. And three, your car will be serviced and delivered back to you within three hours. From now on, the only thing you have to worry about is where you're going and who you're going with. Look, guys, I'm telling you, this is the future. Try out Vaunt, V-O-H-N-T dot com, and use promo code 614STARTUPS for 20% off. Support for 614 Startups comes from Color Coded Labs. It's time for a better career in tech. Introducing Color Coded Labs, a 16-week boot camp that does more than just teach basic code. It's a program designed to help you actually get a career in tech. At Color Coded Labs, we've removed all the barriers to help you learn the skills you need to start a career you love in weeks, not years. All designed for people of color by people of color. Apply now at colorcodedlabs.com. 614 Startups Nation, welcome back to my conversation with Joe Checkinoff of Check Creative. All right, we stripped it down to the bare bones. I walk into your office. I need a website that produces an ROI. What's your process to get me there? Sure. Yeah, it, we really like to educate and try to make our best effort to lift up that particular business owner, right? To say, you have a particular goal in mind. We've extracted that. We know that you want to, you know, drive a thousand visitors to the website because you have a big campaign coming up, right? So we've identified that goal and we're trying to establish what is the process to get that to happen, right? We walk through what a typical website build looks like, whether it's you know, this particular type of landing page that has this formula, because there is a formula to it, right? There's a way to convert on a website. So I try to educate on that and I try to teach the right way to go about building a site. And then there's a process of us learning about your business. So I know what you want to achieve. How do you try to do it normally? It's just like when you asked me just now, how do you do your business? How do you build your client, you know, to their successful moment when they're, I want to know everything there is to know about selling your widget. Tell me about it, right? Once I'm passionately engaged with that part of their process, I know where my expertise can fit into that process. Okay, so it's, it's about knowing the customer, getting to know their audience, and then building from there. And educating them as well. And That's doing a, clear, a lot of education. Clear part that I don't think a lot of people pay enough attention to. Yeah, you know what? Because I could be a bridezilla client, right? I come in there <laughs> like, yo, you're going to build this for me, and I have no idea what I'm talking about. So, so I get the, 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 the education process. All right. So I keep hearing this thing, no code, 
yeah. in all of this, right? This whole world is completely foreign to me, but this is the world that you live in. Sure. And I want to talk to you about building mobile apps, particularly mobile apps for good and some of the work that you did with uh, Can't Stop Columbus. So let's just define some things here uh, as a starting point. What, when we hear no code, what does that actually mean? Yeah, so a lot of different platforms are emerging. Um, you'll hear the word Squarespace. You'll hear Webflow. You'll hear Wix. Right? Everybody's seen a YouTube ad with Wix in it if you've looked up any sort of how to do something with your website. Um, and the clear definition to them is they don't make you write JavaScript or code. What they make you do is click a bunch right, and put together templates. So that's the biggest differentiator is no code is all about visualization of what used to be code. Right? The strategy behind it's still there, though. You still have to execute on that strategy that experience brings to the table. So when you work with an agency that's a development agency, and we build some great Webflow websites, right? We can do it because we have the experience knowing what's happening on the back end there. And we can do it because we have identified the goals that we talked about earlier. All right. So I come in there. I'm clearly uh, customer Zilla, right? I'm like, with my half knowledgeable research that I've done, I come in there like, yo, I need you to build me a flow code website. I know it's not going to be a lot of work because all of this stuff is drag and drop. <laughs> or you like, like, so where does that factor in to like how you help customers understand um, the cost behind building, right? So before sure. creative agencies can get away with, got to code this. It's got to be custom, right? We got to build this from scratch. There's no such thing as what you're trying to do, right? Sure. Everything is original. So how are you thinking through that and helping educate your clients about, yeah, this is a start, but maybe it doesn't get you across the finish line? Strategy is a clear part of that, and I evidence that through the work that we do. So in our first part of our conversation, if I can detect really early on that this is a significant project, I try to position it really early and say, this sounds like a really large-scale thing that's going to be really exciting, but it's going to be a lot of time. Right? So let's try to level set and set those expectations early. And if it's small, I say that too. Right? I say, you know, this is probably going to be about $4,000 and, you know, we're going to have a fun time doing it. It's going to take us three weeks. Right? Like that's, that's the kind of real quick analysis that we can do to kind of lay cards out on the table, be totally transparent with folks. Because they're used to agencies saying, like you said, this is custom. Right? This is nothing that we, that you could ever do in your wildest dreams. Now, just like when people, my painter, I just had my house painted and everybody says that, or my painter said that everybody's a critic because everybody's painted a room before. Right now, people are learning how to drag and drop a Squarespace website. And so they look at Chuck Creative and they say, why do I need you? Why do I need you? Because I can just drag and drop this. Yeah, and you know what? It's like a, a beautifully designed space. You don't know how much experience it right. took for the person to have the eye to create that look. You just like, it just looks like a bunch of furniture in a room. Mm -hmm. But they really thought about the spacing, the color, how each color works with you, like how the sunlight comes into the room. That's why the room is so beautiful, right? So that's what they're really getting paid for. The experience to take an idea in your mind, realize it, and for you to be like, damn, yeah. you know, this looks absolutely gorgeous. Let's talk about you guys jumping off the sidelines right when COVID hit to use some of this technology to help solve problems. Sure. So when Can't Stop Columbus first started, they were a pretty tiny little organization, right? That was right when March happened last year. Nobody knew what was going on. And first COVID numbers were starting to hit. 
So the first project that Czech Creative took on with Can't Stop Columbus was we made the first dashboard that Can't Stop Columbus used to say this is what the numbers look like in Ohio for coronavirus. And media outlets picked it up. We got a ton of traffic to that site because people were interested. It also combined news that was happening. You know, what sort of orders were coming down from the federal, local, and state government, right? We pulled all of that into one place using a React website with a really nice database in there, nice CMS behind it, and all of that, and it just blew up. It was really kind of cool. Ohio got their stuff together and put together a really nice dashboard themselves, so we ended up retiring at pretty, you know, April, May time frame. They didn't call you? <laughs> no. No, okay. they had their own guys. Okay. I, I get it, man. <laughs> but, hey, it's like some damn healthcare.gov, right? Right, Like yeah. the first dudes who did that, well, at least this one worked, right? All right, they should have called you. All right, yeah. keep going. Yeah, no, and so, and so there was a... Uh, there was a good feeling behind just the number of traffic, number of folks that brought traffic to the website, knowing that it just drove value in that aspect. Because there's not a lot of clarity behind what was going on, so we try to give that clarity, right, and give that comfort. Um, we worked on a couple other projects besides that, but that one had the most stick initially um, and had the most, like, I talk about return on investment, return on time for me was feeling like I gave something back to the community. I uh, was talking to you before this and, and joking about how I have a little bit of imposter syndrome even talking about this because working with community and working in the nonprofit sector and especially pro bono work, it's a lot of time. It's a lot of effort, and I have such amazing... Uh, respect for the folks who continue doing that work and continue working on these big projects through what continues to be a crazy pandemic. But we were really, you know, uh, lucky to be involved when, when it first started happening and, and, and really enjoyed our, pro our part of it. Yeah. So what I'm hearing from you is that these tools are so flexible. Yeah. And they're so robust and the fact that they're now ubiquitous, they're available almost everywhere, has driven the cost down. You could pretty much, without being an epidemiologist or like understanding anything about tracking like disease <laughs> spread or whatever, just take common sense along with web tools and get a pretty accurate picture into what is happening with coronavirus in the state of Ohio very early on before the state even stands something up. If that is the case, then what does that mean for small businesses who are taking on large competitors in their market and, and helping give them the confidence like, listen, you don't have to be, you know, venture backed. Sure. You don't have to have, you know, tens of thousands of dollars to throw at this problem. If you really have a strategy, there are tools out there to help you compete. What, what does that do for a small company's ability to really play in, in, in bigger arenas? Yeah, we talked a little bit earlier about the education portion of this, right? Where you're really trying to extract that goal out of the customer. And then you try to present the options to them, right? So if that customer decides that, that client decides that they want to build something big, I try to say, whoa, 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 let's break it down to what we'll call the minimum viable product, right? Let's take it down to the MVP. That's a huge phrase out of startup land, right? But there's no reason why the business that's investing their own capital into making it, you know, bootstrapping something together, they can't leverage that sort of thing too. So I extend the relationship with the customer from an agency perspective by saying to them, hey, we can achieve this little chunk, learn from it, and then build that next chunk. Learn from that. Now we have two chunks that we can build three and four and five from. Right. And so we take on these little projects and we very quickly 
convert a nothing, like you said, just thin air, into a platform that gets a ton of traffic, that gets a ton of learning from it, and then it gets iterated on. And that is the key to continuing to drive value in the web, is to iterate and to drive something from little effort, that MVP. All right, so let's dispel this myth, or let, not even a myth, but let's just explore this topic for a moment. Sure. Is the value in the solution, meaning I have a problem, to the extent that a small business owner, regardless of how they built that solution, solves that problem, is that truly where the value is, or is it the, the moat? Is it the intellectual property? Because it feels to me like if you can build it, I can build it too. I just sure. need to look behind the curtain and build what you build, and I could take you out, right? Because I have more money. Sure. I could bleed red for a longer period of time. You just cannot compete with me. So from a web developer standpoint, where's the value? Because I feel like there's a little bit of risk to that, right? I build this awesome, elegant solution using no-code tools. Somebody's like, there's no intellectual property here. They just built it on XYZ system. I could just do the same thing. What are your thoughts on the intellectual property portion of this? Yeah, execution, mm -hmm. right? When you think about how lots of different organizations can throw money at something, like you said, bleed red for a while, right? There's something to be said about what a little bit of sweat and effort can be for a particular engagement. Um, if I build something that's a, a, a large project that I've split up into 11 big chunks, littler chunks, right? If I ship that first one, that company B might still be trying to get all 11 chunks at the same time. So I'm already learning more than they are because they don't have a product in the market yet. So if I'm continuing to iterate and continuing to create that um, intellectual property, you reference it as like the technology's the IP. I think the insight's the IP, right? I know that's a weird way to say it from a legal perspective, but the more experience you have with building the thing you're trying to build, the more further ahead you're going to be from your competitor because they're still trying to build it. Mm -hmm. So get something out there. Yeah, so it's like Bill Belichick, right? There are a lot of football coaches. There's only one Bill Belichick. Right. We all have 11 players on both sides of the ball, football, right. same rules. Right. But how I play within those rules is the insight. That's right. the real value of Bill Belichick, his right. ability to take the same rules and win with them. Yeah. All right, so when I decided to build my website, it was Squarespace first, yeah. right? No code, super cheap, can get started right now, right? Very low barrier to entry. But we quickly outgrew that because we needed more functionality. So we turned immediately to WordPress. But in prep for this show, you know, one of the things we talked about is like, hey, there's more to the world than WordPress. But I didn't know that. So sure. I built the next phase of 614 Startups on WordPress. So tell me about the platform WordPress, right? What it's good for, maybe what it's not so good for, and how to start thinking about other options. Yeah. WordPress is... The, mo the majority of the web. Mm -hmm. It has a huge open source backing to it, which open source means everybody's contributing to the product, right? Rise and tide lift all boats, right? And it's got a wonderful community behind it. Um, it's also got a lot of bloat, right? It's got 15 years of bloat. And so these newer tools that are coming out are trying to say, I love this component, this component, and this component. Let's repackage it in a way that is a quarter of the file size, right? Loads two seconds quicker, right? 
and executes in a way that you can't do because of WordPress's background. So not just the the WordPress of the big community, right? That that positive, the negative being bloat and the and the, the bloat that can come with installing thirty plugins, right? And, and you, I saw your eyes just lift up because of the plugin talk, right? Mm -hmm. You try to speed up your website and you install a plugin, you're out of luck. It's just not going to happen. So that's where you come back to a company like Check Creative and you say, okay, I've kind of dug myself a little bit of a, a hole here installing this, this, and this because I needed that functionality and this functionality, right? WordPress is almost more tools than somebody knows how to use. And it puts you in a position where you can't succeed. So if we strip that back, I give you the biggest toolkit in the world, and I say you can only use the hammer for now, right? You're going to get really good at doing one thing. And then I say, now give me that back and go do this thing with the wrench. Then you're going to get really good at using that, and then I'll give you, I'll exchange them with you. And so you can leverage all these different tools, including WordPress, and it can be a really fundamentally wonderful product for you and your small business. But if you're not leveraging it in a way that's careful, and intentional, you're going to end up with a pretty slow website with a lot of bloat that ends up getting some malware on it. And then it's no fun for anybody. Yeah, and then you get the uh, endless updates on all of your plugins too, which is uh, interesting. I'm experiencing that as well. You don't know which ones to do and which ones not to do. All right, so let's <laughs> say there is somebody who will not be named who currently exists in a WordPress hell. Sure. But that site is like super profitable. <laughs> Yeah. Right. It's WordPress hell. Yeah. But it's doing its job, right? In terms of like, however, it's been patchworked together. Yeah. What's your approach to taking? I mean, it's easy to take apart an unsuccessful site. Sure. Like, get rid of it. Nobody's seeing it. Whatever, whatever. Well, how do you approach sites that are profitable but bloated? Sure. Profitable but clunky. Profitable but can be improved. I'll challenge the idea that the WordPress website is the driver of the value versus the content and the quality of that content that's the driver of the va that value. Okay. I'll tell the person I was talking about that that's the case. Yeah. So you think about the conduit, that's the website, right? right? That's how we transmit information, right? If I have like a bridge I'm carrying money across, right? If that bridge is like got a couple weird spots on it that I could fall through on, then then you're really risking a lot, mm -hmm. especially if it's super profitable, right? A couple of clicks can really put you in a bad position. So let's build, you know, let's build a train on a nice bridge that carries things across really easily, right? As opposed to continuing that risk. Yeah, so there's a, there's a risk to staying. There potentially might be a risk to leaving, but leaving doesn't leave the value behind, yeah. right? Because the value is not in the site, is in the content, is in the relationship that you've built with the customer, et cetera. And the, the, the Google value that you have, you can retain all of that when you move to new systems, mm -hmm. right? We've just done a really tremendous transformation on a, on a site for a DJ out of New Jersey. And, I mean, they do a whole bunch in New York, New Jersey, a bunch of East Coast venue, wedding, all sorts of stuff. And... Uh, and we took their site with all of its content, we revolutionized it in a way that it looks beautiful now. Got rid of all the bloat. I mean, took their speed, 10x the site page load speed, right? Oh, their leads went up, mm -hmm. right? The number of conversions on the website went up without actually making a huge effort from an advertising perspective. So your profitable website 
is not just going to be faster. It's going to be more profitable when you really are intentional about your, your, words, your WordPress installation. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. I'm going to take another break, Here. but we'll be back. When we come back, we're going to talk about practical advice for small businesses when it comes to building websites, building brands, attracting customers, et cetera. You got it. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. We're going to go back to our sponsors for a few words, and we'll be right back to continue my talk with Joe Chekinoff of Check Creative. Support for 614 Startups comes from the law firm of Dickinson Wright, with around 500 attorneys working from 19 offices across the U.S. and Canada. They handle all types of business transactional law, including advising privately held and venture capital-backed companies in capital raising, mergers and acquisition, and transactions involving technology, software, data, and e-commerce. Partner Alex Brown serves as outside counsel to startup companies ranging from business entity selection and formation, protection and commercialization of technology assets, conducting business online, and data security issues. For more information, visit DickinsonWright.com. Support for 614 Startups comes from Hairdrop. Never visit the beauty supply store again. Order your beauty products from the Hairdrop app and have them delivered in an hour or less. Hairdrop is like DoorDash for beauty products. Get your hair care, grooming tools, hair extensions, and more when you need them to ensure you look and feel your best at all times. Available for download from both the Apple and Google Play stores, Get a beauty supply store in your pocket by visiting hairdrop.app and have your beauty delivered today. 614 Startups Nation, welcome back to my conversation with Joe Chekinoff of Check Creative. All right, Joe. One of the things that I find with web designers when I go to their website, I'm like, yo, are these people taking their own advice? And it's the classic case of you're working on everybody else's <laughs> site, so you can't work on your site. Are you sure. guilty of this, my friend? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You can ask uh, any of my team members how long I talked about wanting to launch our new website. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So absolutely. You got to take your own medicine, though, right? And so we've been trying to leverage that. Um, and I think we've done a pretty good job of it. We're no frills. We're straight to the point. We want to drive ROI for your business. That's what we want to do. Okay, cool. So, again, it's that priority, right? It's a yeah. little bit of inertia. You got a lot of other stuff on your plate. And, and I think that happens for small businesses. So let's say I'm in that situation. I know that I know that I know that I know I need to do my website. Yeah. So let's, let's get to the practical. Where do I start? What are some things that you just say, hey, what can I do tomorrow to get started? Sure. The first step that I would take if I was a small business trying to learn what it means to build a website that's profitable for me is I would do my research in a couple really clear spots. There's a wonderful guide on creating good landing pages and Buffer has a great one there, social media resource. Julian Shapiro is a great writer on content. Um, on, on building great landing pages. And there are a couple other really great ones that if you search for how to make a good website, you're going to find because they're really good at finding great keywords to hit and getting their content pushed up high. Mm -hmm. So start Googling and start identifying what searches are working for you and what aren't. And then start thinking about your goals and how you want your customers to be searching for you. Once you put yourself in your customer's shoes, that's the only point where you're going to figure out how your goals for your business are going to work with your customers. 
and how those two things can kind of establish your your true need for your website. Mm-hmm. So, okay, I, if I'm hearing you correctly, number one is do some research. Yeah. Number two is understand your customer, what they're looking for, and how your solution might help them. So, how to speak to them, what's important to them, how you you write for them. Sure. So uh, after that point, okay, I know what I need to do now. I think I have a good idea because marketing is a lot of testing, right? Sure. So you, let's, let's say I have a thesis. This is my customer. This is what I think will reach them. What's next? Yeah. It, I think that we, I want to back up one second to think about what this proposed business owner is doing already, right? And the bandwidth that they have to execute on this project. So if you're okay, let's use me. Yeah, sure. All right. So I have a media company, right? And um, uh, my hammer is display advertising on the website. Sure. And uh, my customers are founders and people in the Columbus ecosystem. That's who I'm creating content for. Mm -hmm. But the people who are looking to reach those founders are brands that solve problems like Check Creative. Sure. All right. So take me through that. And I have no time. I work a job. (laughs) I'm married. I have a kid and I do a, a side business. Yeah. All right. Yeah. That's the scenario. Yeah. So you have to identify the partner you want to work with to get that done. Mm-hmm. It, it is just the top line priority is if you're a business owner, you know that you have to get people in the room that are smarter than you, right? That know how to do what you want to do because you're describing it to them and then bring new ideas to the table, right? So creating great relationships is critical. Okay. And that happens in every part of your business. It happens in your, your, um, your inventory and what you bring into the business and your supplies all the way through to your marketing, all the way through to your customers. Right. But if I'm hearing you correctly, there's one thing that you can't outsource, which is just this like gut level, like you understand it without any doubt in your mind who your customer is. Yeah. You can't. Because there's nobody that's going to know your business and know your customer better than you are. So nobody. that's the one thing you need to bring to the table when you are approaching a part. That's absolutely correct. Okay. Yeah. And if you don't, I'll tell you, I'll make it very clear that I can't do my job yet. Mm-hmm. Right. And I'll help you get there. Mm-hmm. Right. Because I think that some people do need some probing questions to get to that clear why, get to that clear why they buy. Right. Because some people are really profitable doing really great business. They have no idea why it's happening. So have you ever heard this? Like, let's say I open a French bakery and I say, well, everybody in Columbus is my <laughs> customer. Is that really a customer? Well, right, right. And it's actually more of identifying why they're the customer, mm-hmm. right? Everybody isn't my customer. Well, why would they buy, though? So you can say everybody in Columbus is my customer. That's your target. That's your target customer. What is going to bring them to you, mm-hmm. right? And so those identifying, you know, those identifiable qualities help drive everything from a marketing perspective, from retargeting with display ads to how you build your website to how you engage with them after they've converted. All of that happens in knowing your customer. Yeah, and um, but there's a fear there. Sure. There's a fear of choosing a customer. It feels more comfortable to say everybody <laughs> than to say, you know, a 30 to 35-year-old who lives in downtown Columbus, rents, has a roommate, and eats out twice a week. Sure. That feels like super specific. But what I'm hearing from you is that that's really what you need because that's your core audience, right? Those are the people that you actually have an opportunity that are going to listen to your message, engage with it, buy from you, tell a friend about it. Is there some psychology involved in that? I mean, you're a marketing guy, like this fear of niching down. 
Yeah, let's use Check Creative as an example of niching down, right? I'm not going after building a new website for Nationwide, right? I'm not going after that work. There are agencies that do that work, right? They have larger pools of employees than I do. They have a different set of core competencies than I do, yet they build a similar product, right? I can build the quality of product that's on nationwide.com, right? But my core competency and my customer is not that organization because I don't have the bandwidth to wait for them to go up 60 levels of the, the tower, right? Mm-hmm. I don't have the bandwidth to, you know, do the 16-week educational piece learning about the business, right? My skill as Czech Creative with our, with our customer acquisition is in identifying a goal of a small business owner, small to medium-sized organizations, and really executing on that goal. Yeah, and, and you know, for, for um, 614 Startups, I always like to use us because I sit in the chair and I yeah. kind of see it. It's, I think our tribe is probably like 150 people. Mm-hmm. You know, like most media outlets, you try to get as big an audience as possible, but our niche is so specific, we're kind of confined by our name, like we cover 614 yeah. Startups, like startup companies in Columbus, Ohio. Right. But the, the thing that makes that audience powerful is because those 150 people are all decision makers with budgets, right? They're all decision makers that can buy with budgets to deploy. For us, it's 150 people. For the corner bakery, I don't think it's a much bigger number than that right i think people they overestimate how many people they really need to be raving fans of theirs to create a viable business in your testing have you seen any kind of numbers that say hey any bigger than this it's not specific enough any smaller than this you probably don't have enough people to consider it like uh, a data point sure yeah, well, we do a lot of analytics on our site, right? Uh, so we have close to 60 websites currently under management where we do analysis and we see how much traffic's going to those sites. I have some sites that are e-commerce focused. In December, they have sometimes four, five, 6,000 visitors a day, right, on a small organization that's, you know, a small e-commerce brand. And then in, you know, March, it's like 600, 400 Right. Mm -hmm. And then I have um, speakers that are just one person shops and she drives 20 visitors to her site a week, 60 a month. And they're both very profitable businesses. Right. The key is to know that each one of those 20 visitors a week is a potential buyer. Same way that the 6,000 a day in the e-commerce world in the first week of December is a potential buyer, right? And knowing how to convert that user and treating them differently. Those skills don't just come with experience in the business, right? From a digital perspective, those skills come from knowing how to talk to that customer from a website, from a mobile app, all those different mediums. Yeah, and you know, this is kind of a sad statistic, but I have to point it out because it's so acute and it illustrates the point. It's like most of liquor store income comes from like a small percentage of people who happen to struggle with alcohol addiction. 
Right. It's the same. It, it's it's kind of like the same thing when it comes to a lot of businesses. It's like the restaurants that are like doing very, very well. Yeah, it's great that they, you know, it looks full. But typically it's those returning patrons that can't get enough of their food. It's not a whole bunch of new people. It's that core audience of people that eat there four or five times a week that keep those restaurants full. So I'm going to give you uh, the last word. Sure. Um, what's next for Check Creative? And if people want to engage with you, they want to learn more, maybe they need a website or they need some advice, how yeah. do they get a hold of you? Yeah, so Check Creative is, uh, you, you'll see in the show notes and you'll see in the description here, chekcreative.com. Um, our, our message is pretty simple. We build strong, stable, really high-performing websites that give an ROI, right? And that's our focus is driving value for our customers. So if a client's looking for simple consult, consult on what they need to be doing next, we're here for that. If they want to build something, we're here for that as well. All right, folks, there you have it. That's my guest, Joe Chekinoff of Check Creative. If you need a website, if you, if you need a new strategy, if you want to produce an ROI, it's not about the size of your audience, but it's the way that you strategize to get your message out and building a website with development in mind to close them when they come see you. Thanks again for joining us on another episode. Peace.